0: I'd like to add a few reflections as you sit. So please feel free to follow your meditation practice. And uh, just something to reflect on for a few minutes. I briefly mentioned how Angulimala became a murderer because he had so much faith and brightness, innocence, devotion to spirituality, and believed in this teacher. But he was rather naive, and so he was tricked. And he wasn't wise enough to discern, so he was tricked into getting the thousand fingers he was supposed to collect. So he was on number 999, and the next was going to be his mother. But the Buddha, with his incisive vision, could see Angulimala's potential. And he appeared in the forest, where Angulimala was known to be hiding, and people were terrified to go there. But the Buddha just walked quite peacefully through the forest, and distracted him from pursuing his mother, which is a great thing because if he had killed his mother, he would have been doomed to hell realms for eons, because it's one of the most grave sins. And so Angulimala saw the Buddha and started running after him. But the Buddha was just walking at a normal pace, and still Angulimala could not catch him. And so he actually was shouting out to him, stop, recluse, stop. And then Buddha turned to him and said, I have stopped, Angulimala. Now you stop. So here again, this is the Buddha exhorting us to stop. Slightly different than the crossing the flood, where stopping, you sink and we're taking little away. Again, I want to use that to encourage us to stop our habits. What did Angulimala have to stop? He had to stop killing. In fact, he did. He, right then and there, was so, became so aware of his ignorance and the horrific deeds he was committing that he fell at the Buddha's feet, and asked for ordination, and he became a bhikkhu, and thereafter he became an arahant. So we must never blame ourselves, because Mm. blaming and shaming and being regretful and all that, that doesn't produce a good mind state. It just keeps the brow very furrowed, and the heart very contracted in the past. And what we really want to do is open the heart and offer forgiveness through our own understanding, our discernment, oh no, that is not to be done. Whatever we have done that we feel uncomfortable about, sad about, remorseful of, that brings us to a point of resolution. No, I will not do that. I will live in virtue, I will take up precepts. I will remove the stains from my heart, the blemishes. I will cleanse from the inside. And this is the point of, in our meditation practice, we stop to review, to see, and to to know what habits we have been following, what harm we have caused, We know that, we remember that, and then we make a determination or we promise ourselves to do our best never to repeat that, never to go those ways again, because we see the harm and we want to remove the harm. So in the same way, knowing the causes and conditions for those kinds of behavior, we study the present moment. And we try to see how we are harming or impacting consciousness moment by moment through unskillful thoughts, unskillful habits of mind, through not putting in those wholesome causes and conditions here and now. And we do that, we do that by noticing defilements, states of mind, unskillful thoughts, greed and will coming in many forms. We try to be discerning, wise, moment by moment, breathing, being with the object, and seeing how the mind holds the object, how in the beginning maybe the breath is easy to hold, feels very nice, pleasant a little more deeply and we begin to see the contortions, contractions, distortions of perception, and we see the mind unclear and heavy with memories starting to arrive about this deed and that deed, this interaction, those words, faces, images, activities of the past. And the heart feels heavy, dull, anxious. So when this happens, we can bring up metta. Start with just compassion. There was ignorance, there was a lack of clarity, there was a lack of sin, and knowing this is unskillful. So we chose without wisdom. Now, we realize and we determine to take road, the path of virtue, the path of moral purification, to be ethical, to be righteous, to perform, to act, to live with goodness, free of stains, free of causing pain and harm to ourselves and others. Live blamelessly. If we live blamelessly, when we reflect back on our lives, we feel joy, we feel peace, we feel serenity. We accept and take responsibility for what we have done, or what unskillful, unwise choices we've made, and we begin again. And we may go off the path again, but then we must quickly steer ourselves back into the the river of wholesomeness, the way of being that supports the highest in us. And brings blessings to others as well. So, when this happens, then we can brighten the mind quickly and easily. And instead of an angry thought through a very unpleasant memory, you feel anger, and ourselves or at someone else. There is a cooling of the, the fire. Cool it. We bring. As well. This doesn't happen in a moment. This happens. This is a process. But the sooner we begin it, the sooner we cleanse, what a wonderful feeling it is even to begin that, to be aware how much that is needed. We usually do our laundry, wash our clothes, because it's unpleasant to wear smelly clothes. For us and for others, we don't want to walk around like that, then we must do the inner laundry as well. Day by day, we take out the garbage. So day by day, we do this kind of practice to cleanse inwardly. So when a hindrance arises, like greed, miserliness, when the heart isn't caught up in that kind of energy. It's like someone in debt. It's like there's something we've we've lost, and we need to regain it in a wholesome way. We're morally in debt. So we try our very best to look for those things in life that we have done skillfully, to gain strength from remembering our virtue, even just a virtuous or a a good intention, a kindness that we've done, to raise our hearts up. And so in the mind, when greed arises, look for the space where there is no greed. Find the non-greed in the heart, and develop that how we are being generous to ourselves right now by searching for the, the goodness and raising it up out of the shadows, polishing. Just like one refines gold, we take out the impurities by heating it up. The same is true when there's ill will rising up. We feel an aggression in the body a burning it's like a disease the pressure of illness a disease an infection we can't sit with ourselves there's so much discomfort and if we can find a space self-incrimination, sadness, contraction. I want to open to that which is beautiful in the mind. So move to that space where there is goodwill. Think of someone who has been kind to you and feel the gladness and water it instead of freaking out We can disarm them by resting on the knowledge that this self is empty. It's empty. But we recreate it over and over again with attitudes of unskillfulness and blaming. But rather than blaming, just taking responsibility and in that space finding the goodness. There's no one to hate. Deeds. Karmic deeds have been committed, and we want to commit to that which frees us from harm and frees all beings from harm. So rather than a being, it's a beingness. It's a wisdom for growing to awaken to what we truly are. Anxiety, restlessness, we can name that. And know this is also due to causes and conditions. A lifetime of giving into restlessness, giving into anxiety. So, restlessness is one of the most compelling. um, Look at the world, it's just a mass of restlessness. So, then you know this is not mine. It's not my restlessness, it's just, it's a hindrance, it's universal for all beings. Just like Dutch elm disease attacks every elm, it's not because they don't like this elm or that elm, they just, it's a disease of elms. And these are diseases of the mind, or conditions of the mind that we can overcome. And unease or dis-ease, a lack of ease, When you feel the restlessness, the bondage of it, it's like being a slave. The kind of sensation, you can feel it in the body even, sometimes it's so pungent. So then we look for the place of ease in the heart to counter it, to pin it down and abandon it. The way we, we have these live traps in the where the insects go in, there's a little trap door that it's transparent, it shuts. And then they realize, uh-oh, well, we can't stay where we are, we have to get out. And so we do that with the restless mind. We do just exactly that with our restlessness. Saying yes to stopping, this is a skillful stopping, to being present, committing to the present moment, not the past or the future, remembering it's all empty, and the emptiness is to be explored and investigated and understood. Where is the ending of suffering? Right here in my own heart, not in someone else's heart. Not outside, not in wandering restlessly and looking for objects to be pleased, or looking for experiences to be collected and gathered. But just this moment is all we have. We make the most of it. in the mind. I feel dull, sleepy, tired. There are causes and conditions for this. And instead of being weighed down by them, like someone in jail, can't get out, we open the door, we let ourselves out. that these faculties the energy hidden in the body mind by remembering the great work that is waiting to be accomplished. The great realization that is there for us to realize step by step to where we begin. And as we begin energy arises because of that lifting up the heart towards that which can brighten it. The last hindrance of doubt is probably the most difficult to trap because it's hard to pin it down. It's hard to realize it. Hard to discern it. It can be very insidious. It can disguise itself so well. But it comes dressed up sometimes like a subtle dissatisfaction and talking oneself into maybe something else, not like this, maybe I came on the wrong retreat, or having a dislike for the, the way the centers are organized, or the schedule, or the teachers, or our own practice, judging. oneself, that something else in the future might be better than this. So then the present moment is lost. We can't rescue ourselves when we're dreaming about something else, or we're judging what we're experiencing. It's like someone lost in a desert. heart where there's a nuance of faith. Remember that which set you on the path. Remember the most inspiring point of your life in this direction. The word of a friend that set you back on course. A gift that was given to help you meditation. Something that will shed the doubt quickly or shed light on it so that you can abandon it and go to a place of the heart being inspired and bright. Yes, this is what I've waited for. Now I'm here, not to waste time, dilly-dally, uh, procrastinate. I will come to the next thing. I'll just, yeah, have a rest. No. We put forth the energy and we evacuate the doubt very quickly, as soon as we hand touching, fingers touching the earth, telling Mara, I have a right to be here. I have a right to be here and to practice. This is like someone lost in a desert who suddenly arrives at a real oasis. But the suffering is very compelling because it's noisy, loud, impressionable, impactful. It's tough. We have to. We, it strains us. It tries to weaken us, disable us, and because Mara is so clever, we fall for those tricks. But if we can see through the disguise of the delusion of all that. Then, within us is the power, the force. We have the strength to evacuate these maligners, to pierce through the masquerade, and come to the truth of the way it is.